With the Christmas holiday season fast approaching, many of you may have already started buying gifts for your family, friends, and loved ones. As if inflation and rising prices weren't squeezing people's wallets enough, this Thanksgiving, you can also thank the United Nations for announcing plans to take even more of your hard-earned money. They plan to give it to the UN's so-called Loss and Damage Fund that negotiators recently unveiled at the conclusion of the two-week-long COP27 UN Climate Change Conference in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. We'll cover some of the highlights of the conference and what we need to do next in this episode. Please be sure to take the suggested actions and please like, subscribe, and share this information on your social media platforms. Did you see our live coverage of COP27 on the New Americans website last week? We had a team from the New American over in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, covering the 27th Conference of Parties, or COP27, United Nations Climate Change Conference. Meanwhile, in our studio here in Appleton, Wisconsin, the New Americans owned Steve Bonta and Danny Natal co-hosted live coverage of the conference. Most of these UN climate conferences follow the same script at first, looking as though they are going nowhere because nations can't agree on the purported needed concessions being sought, thereby creating the appearance of a crisis. Then finally, on the last day, just as it looks like all hope will be lost, the European Union swoops in and saves the day with a last-minute bold agreement that all nations can agree on. But the so-called experts reluctantly confess there's still much more work to be done at next year's Conference of Parties. It's the same old song and dance all over again. And following this script, the nations of the world, including the United States, have agreed to surrender more and more of their national sovereignty to the UN, empowering them and their so-called mechanisms or instruments of global governance. Senior editor of The New American, Alex Newman, who was in Sharm el-Sheikh, reports, Under the guise of paying climate reparations, governments of wealthier nations attending the UN Climate Change Summit agreed to seize potentially unlimited amounts of their citizens' wealth for redistribution. It was described as a down payment on permanent wealth transfers to the UN, as well as governments, kleptocrats, and dictatorships ruling over poorer countries. The promised money described as payments for climate loss and damage, supposedly caused by emissions of carbon dioxide from people in developed nations, was widely celebrated by tax-funded climate activists and those expecting to receive the funds. But many claimed it was not enough and that trillions per year would be required even as the West is forced to tear down its economic productivity and energy infrastructure. So just in time for Thanksgiving and Christmas, industrialized Western nations, or the global north as they are referred to, agree to essentially fork over your tax dollars to this new loss and damage fund as reparations to the nations of the unindustrialized global south. The excuse for this latest UN global theft scheme is that all the industrialization that created the middle class and made the West rich free and prosperous, did so at the expense of the poor nations of the global south. Now we have the so-called climate emergency, with hurricanes and floods destroying whole villages in the global south that the UN claims is directly caused by all the CO2 and nitrogen that the global north has pumped into the atmosphere. 
And because CO2 is so harmful and industrialization evil, we have to begin deindustrializing the North and prevent the industrialization of the global South, thereby keeping the nations of the global South economically impoverished with absolutely no ability to modernize or to be self-reliant. It would also make the majority of Americans and Europeans in the global North poorer. We'll be forced to get rid of all of the factories and mass industry, cut production of gas, oil, coal. Um, and finally, it would force us to atone for the so-called crimes of our ancestors from the Industrial Revolution onward by giving billions of dollars and euros, actually trillions, to the global south through this massive UN slush fund. This is the first time in history that such a massive global scale redistribution of wealth has ever been agreed to. As Alex Newman points out, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, the former leader of the Socialist International, said of the plan, this cop has taken an important step towards justice, adding, I welcome the decision to establish a loss and damage fund and to operationalize it in the coming period. Clearly, this will not be enough, but it is a much-needed political signal to rebuild broken trust. And what of Communist China, you might be asking? Newman explains, Communist China, which emits more CO2 than all Western nations combined, is exempt from paying into the fund and from slashing its emissions. In fact, it is currently building hundreds of coal-fired power plants, something nobody at the summit was willing to discuss in any depth on record with the new American for reasons that remain unclear. Instead, taxpayers in the West, along with international development banks they fund, are expected to fork over the money. Government representatives from Denmark, Austria, Scotland, Belgium, Canada, France, Germany, New Zealand, and other Western nations, many of which are facing potential electricity blackouts this winter amid decimated energy systems resulting from climate policies, were among those promising to hand over money from their citizens. But whether the U.S. Congress will agree to provide funding for the scheme remains to be seen with Republicans having officially retaken control of the House of Representatives during the UN COP27, the new American asked countless delegates, activists, and other attendees about what would happen if U.S. taxpayers refused to play along. Most seemed confused or even outright hostile that somebody was injecting reality into the frenzied bubble that these climate negotiations have become. In other words, the communists are exempt from this socialist scheme. It's the West, you and I, who will be expected to pay for all of this. If you question the U.S. Congress not taking American tax dollars to fund it, how dare you? That's what Alex Newman and the rest of our team from The New American encountered in Sharm el-Sheikh. How much will this cost? Newman reports. This is the time to truly fill up the Green Climate Fund, demanded Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research Director Johan Rockström in comments to the Great Reset-pushing World Economic Forum. 100 billion is much too little. We know that. We have to move into the trillions to help developing countries to accelerate the pathways towards decarbonizing their economies as well. In line with that rhetoric, 
The negotiators argued in the Sharm el-Sheikh implementation plan that the supposedly necessary global transformation to a local carbon economy is going to require at least $4 trillion to $6 trillion each year. Part of the plan is to bring the banking sector on board to divert investments and loans away from profitable and necessary economic activity such as reliable power and into green energy schemes such as windmills and solar panels largely produced in communist China. Despite commitments from leaders, from the leaders and negotiators of many EU countries, the fact remains that the U.S. is the largest contributor of funds to the U.N., something that is completely unconstitutional. The U.S. Constitution makes no provision for foreign aid. According to the globalist pro-United Nations Council on Foreign Relations, quote, the United States remains the largest donor to the United Nations. In 2020, it contributed more than $11 billion, which accounted for just under one-fifth of funding for the body's collective budget. That was despite President Donald Trump's effort to cut funding as his administration prioritized sovereignty over globalism. His administration argued that the United States incurred disproportionately large costs and that U.N. programs contradicted the administration's policy stances. President Joe Biden has affirmed the United Nations' importance to U.S. foreign policy and increased funding to the organization. Despite the unconstitutionality of dispersing U.S. funds to the U.N., you can also bet that the actual impoverished peoples of the Global South, Africa, Latin America, and Southeast Asia, will never even see a dime of the funds the U.N. intends to collect. Instead, it will likely go to subsidize tinpot Marxist, socialist, and Islamist dictators who will eagerly enforce the sustainable development goals of the 2030 agenda in their countries in order to keep the money flowing into the pockets of their corrupt regimes. In the name of combating the so-called climate catastrophe and reducing CO2 emissions from the atmosphere, COP27 was all about deindustrializing the global north and subsidizing the global south. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the globalist plan. Make the rich nations poorer and keep the poor nations poor in order to make billions of people dependent on the ever-empowered and ever-enriched United Nations in order to save the planet from ourselves. So what do we do about it? First, you must contact your congressmen and senators to oppose any and all funding to the United Nations, especially to its loss and damage fund. Secondly, educate and encourage them to introduce and pass the American Sovereignty Restoration Act in the next Congress. Go to JBS.org, click on the Take Action tab, then scroll to click on Federal Alerts on the Federal Action Alerts page. Scroll down and click on the Get Us Out of the UN Alert. This alert allows you to send a pre-written, editable message to your U.S. representatives and both of your state's U.S. senators, urging them to pass the American Sovereignty Restoration Act. If enacted into law, the American Sovereignty Restoration Act would repeal both the United Nations Participation Act of 1945 and the United Nations Headquarters Agreement Act. Repealing these two laws would get the U.S. out of the United Nations and get the United Nations out of the United States. Send and share this alert with others.
Additionally, it's important to realize that the UN isn't just an international problem. In addition to wanting to take money out of your pockets to fund its socialist schemes, the UN's 2030 Agenda, formerly known as Agenda 21, is creeping its way into many local, city, town, and county governments around the world through various NGOs, including ICLEI. These NGOs often sell your city or county government with the idea of a sustainable development plan. Make no mistake about it. These local sustainability city plans are all inspired by and designed to implement the UN's 2030 agenda and its various sustainable development goals. If you haven't already, we encourage you to watch the New Americans' coverage of COP27, co-hosted by Steve Bonta and Danny Natal, with the on-the-ground reporting from Alex Newman and interview of experts. To learn more about the 2030 Agenda and to help us expose and stop it, visit our Stop Agenda 2030 page at jbs.org forward slash Agenda 2030. Also, we have a new webpage on our website, jbs.org forward slash ebooklets, where you can download free ebooklets, including our original Agenda 21 and You, and also Exposing the 2030 Agenda. Also, be sure to visit shopjbs.org, where you can purchase both our new Agenda 2030 and You booklet and the book UN's Agenda 2030, Marxist Self-Plan for World Government, written by JBS CEO Emeritus Arthur Thompson. Lastly, we invite you to apply for membership in the John Birch Society in order to join or start a local chapter in your area. Work together with fellow like-minded patriots to keep our republic free and independent. Visit jbs.org forward slash join for more details. Until next time, from all of us at the John Birch Society, we wish you and your family a happy, blessed Thanksgiving. Take care and God bless.